1: This is episode 64 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake.
0: I kept my word. I lay your vengeance at your feet.
1: All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome <laughs> back. My God, that was an episode. I'm your host, Mary Larson.
2: My name's Blake, and I totally could have wailed off uh, the Duke's head with just one swing. Oh, really? Totally could have done it better than Murtaugh. No problem. Like, not even an issue. If there was, like, an Olympic event for head-cutting offage, it would be. I'd be, like, the gold medalist every year. I'd be the Michael Phelps of head-cutting offage.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, so much blood. So much blood in television this weekend. (laughs) After the Battle of the Bastards on Game of Thrones. Oh, my word. And the decapitation of the Duke of Sandringham, plus the stabbing, plus the freaking eyeball and the tooth. I mean, for someone like me who doesn't like blood... Mm-hmm. This was not a weekend to watch television.
2: Can we just talk about, <laughs> first of all, Murtaugh's great impression of the Hound from Game of Thrones? <laughs> wow, I'm not sure who does better, the Hound or, or Murtaugh. Wait, wait, a kilt rating for the axe swinging between the two. Which would you put best?
1: Oh, gosh.
2: <laughs> I, who, who do you got?
1: They, I think they. I would not want to be in a match with either of them. No, I don't think so In either. an axe swinging. So let's talk about this week's GBGs. You're good, bad, and greats.
2: Oh, let's see. What do I got here? Um, all right. I'd say my good was um, Angus's death and death in general has not been forgotten on this show. Mm-hmm. There's still weight to what happened. The, the, the writer, obviously, Diana Gabaldon, didn't forget that you know a major, not a major, but a semi-beloved character died. And that nod uh, from Rupert to the sky as he's taking the whiskey and talking about Angus and Ah, oh, my Angus could have done that way better. Blah blah blah. blah. He would have done it with his two front teeth and and saying hmm. people saying how he didn't have two front teeth. Excellent. He would have done it with his gums. Then you know, excellent, excellent, excellent stuff. And again, it's 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 an acknowledgement that weight a death actually has weight in the Outlander verse. You know what I mean? It's not like, okay, Angus died, that sucks, and okay, we're moving on. Nope, that didn't happen. All right, the bad, as much as I hate to say it, it was the Duke. I didn't like the Duke. Yeah. Oh, my God, what? (laughs) What? You know what it was? Um, Maybe it was his delivery uh, throughout the whole episode. It just felt slow and measured, and slow and measured is great. Think Alan Rickman, uh, you know, Snape uh, in Harry Potter. You're a wizard, Harry. That is good measured uh, delivery, but his delivery in the whole episode was, um, it, it was almost cartoonish, and it was almost over too over the top for at least what I think is the tone of that episode.
1: Oh, see, I just saw him being completely the Duke that we've gotten to know. Yeah, well, no, I, love slash hate. I, I, well, so. let me let
2: me say that I I think the Duke, in my opinion, is one of those you know now you can call him a villain who is just kind of He's smarmy. He's just not necessarily a good villain, in my opinion. Oh. And and I just I think his delivery. I, I love Simon Callow. He's he's an amazing actor. Um, but I, I think that his delivery. It almost reminded me. You know who that it reminded me of? Uh, um. Oh my God. The uh, the Dowager Countess in um <laughs> in Downton Abbey. Yes. That's like if you took her and he and put them next to each other it would be like the same exact intonation and delivery how
1: interesting that they are both aristocratic british right so it's probably by design english yeah i i actually i had no problem with him i thought he was completely himself and the only the only issue that i had is when claire figured it out i couldn't fully understand like is he gonna have her killed we'll get to this. Yeah, and well and I
2: also think what what goes hand in hand with this is the reveal that he was the villain and that he was in cahoots with the comte and that it was his servant that was the rapist. I felt that that was uh anticlimactic. I felt like it should have been a lot more serious. It should have been a lot more jaw-dropping and it was just kind of played off like
1: uh, yep, but I it was think me. that's because it was the cop I think that he gets he doesn't really get serious you mean the I mean the Yeah, the duke I
2: got you yeah. <laughs> thank too you many, too many different phrases too here. many people too many names too All many right. people the great the yes. great Mary killing the rapist
1: really that's oh, your great I, I loved
2: it I thought it was fantastic and I'll tell you why I thought it was great okay because I always felt like Mary was just um, she was just a mechanism mm-hmm. you know uh, kind of like I thought that she was just a mechanism uh, for the the plot to move forward in the rape and getting Claire to be in a position where she needed to be uh, and um, how she was in France and with the dinner. And I, I always thought that they would kind of blow Mary off, but they didn't. They brought her right back and uh, they empowered Mary and they let her take charge Of her own fate and seeing her mind made up and all of a sudden realizing, I can do what I want to do. She's not that mousy little stuttering girl anymore. Mm -hmm. They gave her power. And then she said, I'm in charge of my destiny. I can do what I want to do. And I really like that. And also what that does too, in my opinion, for the plot. I mean, she kills this guy and then the Duke ends up dying. You know that's going to be really bad news for red Jamie and company. Mm-hmm. You know, when they find a Duke beheaded and his servant <laughs> gutted like a fish from Mary, from Mary Hawkins,
1: it's going to be bad well, news. Especially because exactly like all the red coats were told red Jamie is coming. So it's right. not even like there's going to be a question of who it could have been. Yeah,
2: no, it's him. It's going to be him and everyone's <laughs> going to blame him. But what that does for the story is, is great. But what it does for the character and what that says about that character is fantastic. Again, which, which is something I always point out. Characters informing the plot, not the other way around.
1: So aren't you happy that you were asked to have some patience during your hating of people like Mary Hawkins because you felt like
0: well, they went no, no, nowhere? No.
2: I never I never hated Mary Hawkins. I just okay. thought she was one dimensional. Okay. And she was. She was just one little dimensional, little mousy girl at the time, which is fine. That's You need that. like. In, in my opinion, Louise was one-dimensional. She was a debutante until she wasn't Faith, anymore, yeah. until Faith. So that's the, th- that's the same thing. In terms of being patient and, and being all the hate and everything, mm, whatever. You know, like, I, it, it is what it is. My love, what do you got for your GBG?
1: Okay, so my good is that tender Gaelic prayer that Jamie did over Claire
2: yes loved it
1: unbelievable just so lovely and then how he puts his hand on her you know womb area even mm-hmm. and just we all know of course that she is going to be pregnant when she goes back through the stone so I just that was beautiful that was absolutely beautiful I loved how it was shot I loved how Sam did it and of course of course Claire doesn't hear him saying this prayer
2: <laughs> no but, no no you know she did oh
1: she totally was like did, did. thinking like Oh, what's my naked husband saying now? (laughs) (laughs) I loved how you also pointed out, he's naked. Yes.
2: No, 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 no. Say what I really said. I said, he's naked.
1: <laughs> yes, you <laughs> did. And I love that it was you that noticed it. I,
2: I know. That's the problem. That's the real problem.
1: Okay. So so this is the f- first for me, guys. I have two bads that I have to get off my chest.
2: Stop it. I get have out of to here. Get it off.
1: Okay. My first bad is this week's previously on Outlander clips. Okay, Luckily, I watched some of the episode before Blake did. And I, when he sat down, I was like, you're not allowed to watch the previously on Outlander because it's basically going to show you everything that's... Going to happen this episode because it showed you. It didn't show you Hugh Monroe, I think. Did mm-hmm. it show? Yep. Uh, it showed you the Duke. It showed you the rape uh with a little birthmark on his hand. Like it showed you all these different things, and it's like, okay, guys, get ready for the Duke. <laughs> get ready to see Hugh. And guess what? We're going to solve the puzzle of who the rapist was. Like I just I could have done without that, and I luckily fast forwarded through. They it. just okay. spelled it out. For they you. did, and yet on the other hand, you know, had you had. In years, in years from now, when people are watching Outlander on Netflix, people have never heard of Outlander before, and maybe they're not binging. Even though I don't understand how they won't be able to binge on it, but if they need a little fresher upper, thank you, thank you, Outlander. <laughs> Wait, what,
2: what do they need again? Fresher upper? A fresher upper? Yeah. Is that a word?
1: I'm I'm making it up. Otherwise known as like the cliff notes. Basically, it was the cliff notes. Like, here's the cliff notes of what you needed to know from France. Okay.
2: mary My second bad fresher up is oh the my
1: WTF God. moments. Okay, what do you got? The what the frack moments. Ooh, good job. That's amazing. So say we all. Good. That's
2: a good reference right there.
1: Ron Moore, if you're hearing that, I hope you're proud. What the frack. <laughs> okay, first off, wasn't it snowing in the beginning of the last episode? Yes, it was. Why are they not super cold? Jamie just has his kilt on him like a little snuggy, Like, what <laughs> season is this? Where are we in the world? And I know that I've given up on time, but I was really excited for some more snow.
2: Well, we all know it. Well, it, hindsight's 2020. 20, but we now know that that first scene was shot much Somewhere later on. It meant, meant to be in a, in a later episode. I
1: know, but I love snow. So it just threw me off. OK, <laughs> so that that's one of my first what WTS. What the frack? Then my second what the frack is where the hell did the Bonnie Prince go And why is he the worst friend ever? Okay. You know what? Your bromance is OVA, Bonnie Mm -hmm. Prince. I am all set with you. So that's my two bads. And then my great, Diana. Diana, Diana wrote this so well because we were tense. We were nervous. We were excited. We were on a horse chase. There was love between Jamie and Claire and... There was so much chuckling going on next to me. I sat there and I was like, "My husband's laughing. My husband's <laughs> laughing again. My husband's Oh, my Oh, oh my God. I've lost count of how many times Blake Larson chuckled during this episode." And that, my friend, is much thanks to Miss Diana Gabaldon. AKA No, no, don't herself. do it. Oh. I did it. I went there. So that's my I want to put a
2: ban on the on the herself moniker.
1: Whatever. That's my GBBG. <laughs>
2: <laughs> GBBG what else? I like it Kilt it's, like, rating. it's like the BGs. <laughs> Sorry, Kilt Rating uh, You know, I'm going to go with a 4.6 on this Okay um, You know, I liked it, I enjoyed it I thought it was fun It was a well-rounded uh, episode of Outlander But coming off of Preston Pans uh, It felt like a step back a little bit It felt like It felt like they needed this episode to tie up everything that happened in France. They needed this episode to transition from Preston Pans to where we're going now. And this is why I actually suspect Diana was given this episode because there wasn't a whole lot.
1: She was offered 208 or 211. Oh, really? Yes.
2: Okay. Um, There wasn't a whole ton going on. Uh, I mean, uh, there obviously the, you, you had the you had obviously Red Jamie going into.
1: Wait, you just said there wasn't a lot going on in this episode. There wasn't a whole
2: ton. No, I feel like I was zipping all over the place. No, 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 no. I don't mean like there wasn't things happening. I mean, I mean, I mean, just like in terms of the story, in terms of the plot, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton. It was, it was. They had to tran- they had to transition out of Preston Pans. Uh, Jamie had to go to the church. And then they had to go from the church, they had to get Claire rescued, and then Claire goes to the Duke's, Duke's house, and then after that, she gets rescued. That's it. That's all that really happened.
1: I feel like a lot happened, so I completely disagree with you. My kilt rating, I'm sticking with my freaking fives, my fracking fives, <laughs> right? How many fives have I had in a row, like four?
2: Oh my God, yeah. And I also put, I'm putting another mandate down. What? Any single time that you want to use the F word, from now on, it has to be frack,
1: I would gladly do that. Okay, that's just, my I'm homage to Mr. Ron Moore.
2: And what? And what?
1: Battlestar Galactica. So Don't say we, we all. All.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Our listeners chimed in with their feedback. Yep. Here's what they had to say. Catherine Shambrook said, Oh, that's a five-kill rating from me. It could not have been better. My greats in particular was the scene in the church where Jamie was fiercely protecting Claire, saying, I will not give you up. And then Claire equally as fiercely hold say, on wait
2: wait let me say Am I not Lady Brock Turok? Are these not my men as well?
1: Beautiful. Also, Claire's (laughs) attempt at Gaelic and the boys deciphering the letters, she even spelled help wrong. (laughs) Loved the humor in this episode. I've got so many things to say, but I think I'll just end with Jamie's voice while praying over Claire. Hashtag, help me, Lord.
2: (laughs) Andrea Land says, 4.7 kilts. Good. Shockingly, I kind of enjoyed the annoying... Prince Charlie growing a pair, and did he really go a whole
1: episode without saying "mock me"? He probably did on the stolen horse. Oh my God, what a
2: dink! He's such a dingleberry. <laughs> Bad the Duke. What a piece of crap. Pop goes that poorly wigged weasel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, I love you.
2: He deserved what he got. Then the great, as disgusting as I think uh, Murtaugh needed, the satisfaction of beating the Duke's head along with the redemption of effectively protecting Claire this time. I think he has a shadow over him uh, ever since the attack in Paris, and he just couldn't shake it. He felt greatly responsible, and he can be at peace with it now. Margaret Ashley Krob says, killed rating a three. Uh, she thinks that Murtaugh uh, was killing uh, Sandringham, uh was the good, uh, and she didn't like this episode at all, unfortunately. It was choppy, there was too many scenes, too many plot points. I prefer to stick with a scene and feel its emotional pull instead of going here and there. This was a big switch from Je suis prêt, And Preston pans. See, I can still say je suis prêt and sound good. Uh, I really hate to admit this, but it felt soap opera-ish to me. Maybe it was the lighting and the photography. There were parts that felt so cheesy I was giggling. You know, presenting the head, Jamie looking like he was in a fit of rage the entire episode. I guess a lot of ground had to be covered. Retreat. Sandra Gum, the comps, Mary, the attack, the vengeance. She really expected Diana's episode to pack an emotional wallop, but for her it just didn't. And you know, Margaret, I actually really give you credit uh for calling this episode out a little bit, uh for it being what you thought to be choppy, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree. Uh and you know, calling out Diana a little bit here for what you think to be right. Uh and and do you think this this episode you, would you agree with Margaret that the episode didn't you know pack the emotional wallop that it needed to or do you think that it did?
1: The emotional wallop. I felt a very um all over the, I I don't know, emotional wallop. I feel like we had so much that we had to do in this episode mm-hmm. that I I couldn't necessarily get super, super emotional. My heart was going in lots of different directions. I had a lot of fun. Did it leave me leaving uh, the way I felt after Faith? No. Did it leave me the way I felt even after the this um, season premiere? No. Mm-hmm. But Man, I had a lot of fun.
2: Did it leave you feeling the way that the Battle of the Bastards did? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Once again, though.
1: I mean, even compared to the way that I felt during Preston Pants. Like, no, it's not going to make me feel... Like I just went through a battle because I didn't. Yeah. I almost, did just see a guy get beheaded by Murtaugh though, which is awesome.
2: I almost I, I feel a little bit bad for this episode because it was then followed up by Battle of the Bastards. And for those of you who are Game of Thrones fans, you probably have watched that episode so far or, or by now. And it, wow, that one is hard to, to top. And even for me, it, it this it's like hard to even discuss this particular episode after that Game of Thrones episode because it was so Ethan spectacular um, But We are here We're talking about this episode I'm so excited My love Are you ready To get into our discussion? Yes Alright I'm going to talk Like The oh, Duke you. From now on And uh, That'll be The that.
1: Duke <laughs> <laughs>
2: So, some of the particulars about this episode, as we all know, it was entitled, Vengeance is Mine. Hmm. Oh yes, I'm supposed to, supposed to speak like the Duke
1: from now on. You can stop.
2: <laughs> Written by uh, this lady, I don't know, some, someone, Diana Gabald, I, I think she wrote this book
1: <laughs> yeah, called Outlander. Yeah, kind of a big deal.
2: That's right. Kind of a big deal. Uh, directed by friend of the show, Mike Barker, and we all know him from the Devil's Mark Lally Brock and the Foxes, Leia, fame, and getting back to our good friend Steve McNutt as the director of photography.
1: Awesome. Fantastic.
2: What do you got for me, my love? How are we attacking this one today? Oh,
1: man. You want to attack it? People? People, like a person at a time?
2: Let's do it. I'm down.
1: Let's start off with the man who we have loved to hate. Mark me. The Bonnie Prince. The dingleberry. You know You know why I wanted to start with him? Okay. Because we're doing everything, honest to God, everything in this season because of this guy.
2: Uh. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, There's nothing... Yeah, nothing else is really happening unless it was for this guy.
1: Aside from faith, like that, it's all because of this Bonnie Prince. Right, yeah. And, you know, Jamie worked so hard at being his flippin' friend. And now here he is. He gets the... the all of his, his generals are finally in agreement, but mm-hmm. they're against the Bonnie Prince. Mm-hmm. Jamie does that beautiful part where he stands up and he has his sword and he's backlit from the fire. Yep. And he stands with the Bonnie Prince. And then... The very next day, Dougal comes up the <laughs> stairs and is like, hey, just so you know, he exiled us and um, we've got to go get supplies in Inverness. Oh, Annie says we have to do it on credit. Oh, Annie took your horse. What? <laughs> w- what happened last night? Like, I kind of oh. feel like the generals got the Bonnie Prince drunk yeah. and we're like, hey, it you know would be a really good idea. Don't you like Jamie's horse? Let's go for a ride. You know what I feel like was the
2: hangover. That's what that was.
1: Yes, and instead of being <laughs> like stuck on a mattress on the top of the roof, they just like stuck <laughs> a drunk Bonnie Prince on Jamie's horse, scribbled a letter, and and they actually that's what they did. They just threw the Bonnie Prince over the horse and spanked the horse's <laughs> bottom, so it, it ran it, off and said go. Go, go far away.
2: <laughs> Killed, flapping in the wind.
1: yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was just a bad night
2: of drinking for the Bonnie like, friends. That's what, what I felt like. What happened? I don't understand he, I, he He just got all depressed and pissed off that nobody wanted to back him up. And then he got drunk and uh, and then he just took off on a slapped ass horse. That's what happened.
1: What a bad friend. And then to send then to send them to Inverness to go get supplies on credit,
2: yeah. And you know, no one is going to give this guy credit, especially now because he's retreating. That's that. Once, and they know that. They know that once they step back from where they were, that's an obvious admittance. Uh, uh, and I'm not going to say defeat, but a, a, a severe lack of confidence uh, in, in their ability. And here's the, here's the problem, too they're not wrong. They're not wrong mm-hmm. to stop because they know that the duke of cumberland is in london now that's what they that's what they ended up saying the duke of cumberland was off fighting in france and his cousin king george said hey duke bro we need you we're getting our asses handed to us by the jacobites mm-hmm. and we need we need an adult at the table so come back from france and and, and swat this fly away and they're not wrong right that's the problem so Listen, do I feel bad for the body prints? Not at all. I don't because it was a poorly conceived, a poorly funded and bad, just a bad idea in general. But I will give him credit for actually standing up to his generals in as much as I hated on the scene with the generals and Preston Pan's. I actually didn't mind the scene with yes, all the generals. This I
1: agree. Time. I agree. I was okay with it, except when Dougal came upstairs and was like, "Hey, he took your horse." Yeah. And <laughs> now we have to go get supplies. I just, I really.
2: He came in with Carlos on on his on his belly. <laughs> I
1: just, I've Aww. had issues. I, I mean, I I love to hate the Bonnie Prince. I love to hate him yeah. because, as I said, this is all happening because of him, and what a terrible friend! My God. Let's talk about Jamie.
2: What do you got for Jamie?
1: Well, first off, he doesn't have his horse. (laughs) (laughs) And yet he's still... Gosh, this guy can roll with the punches. Talk about here's his guy here he has been following the Bonnie Prince and pretending to be his good friend for very long mm-hmm. and is now leading the men of Lollybrock to follow him he does everything he can to do what he thinks to be the right thing and then this guy goes off says go get supplies with no money and that Jamie stands there and says okay let's let's pack That's up what we're gonna do let's do this and then he is able to even greet his men. And explain to them what's going on. Right. You know, it's, there's just so much that's put on Jamie's shoulders. Speaking of those shoulders,
2: all right, Whoa, whoa, whoa. See, calm down. <laughs> you're the
1: one that said he was naked. I can talk <laughs> about his shoulders. My no, God. no, it wasn't
2: that you said it. It was just it, it was the the, the the glazed over look in your eye when you mentioned it. And speaking of those
1: shoulders, <laughs> I was just trying to transition beautifully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of beautifully, <laughs> let's. Just Whoa, time that, out. Prayer. Time out. that prayer that he did over Claire.
2: Right, right. Now, did you like the fact that you had the subtitles or did you would you have rather not had the subtitles?
1: I liked the subtitles. I liked the subtitles especially because talking about the child that she may bear. Yep. Because we know Claire is pregnant when she comes back, I just thought that that was such a nice touch. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I enjoyed the subtitles. I didn't find them distracting. I know sometimes we get them in Gaelic and sometimes we don't. Gaelic, Gaelic.
2: Before, before. I know. Before, sorry. Before the meter maids come and, uh, and and give us a ticket over here, we gotta say the We gotta, <laughs> we, we, gotta we gotta, say the right word.
1: Thank you. I just, I did. You I know really... this. One,
2: this one's for all the meter maids. Him. okay will, just, we're just gonna do that
1: I'll take it I'll take it it's fine <laughs> how about you what did you think about Jamie you know I
2: hmm, I'm gonna admit that I wish I didn't have the uh, the subtitles now I know it would have made sense to have I know it makes sense to have the subtitles we are in Jamie's POV at this point we we know that he understands Golic thereby and when he's saying it we as the viewer should be privy to what he is saying but to me It didn't necessarily matter what he said. What mattered was how he was saying it. Mm -hmm. You can pretty much gather what he was saying. You could pretty much be happy with knowing the tone of that conversation. He was looking at her lovingly. This was a great intimate moment. This was something that we have been begging for.
1: But would we have known he was praying because I wouldn't have, I would have thought he was trying to talk to Claire where she was sleeping. Does it matter that he's praying? I do. I think it's. I think it matters. Why? Okay, I,
2: why, why does it matter that he's praying?
1: Because as I said, I would have thought, A, Jamie's religious, and this is a part of his character, and he's also able to be open and honest with yep. God when he can't really be this way with anyone. Sure. He can't. Mm-hmm. He was able to be honest with the baby, but aside Which was from also that, that was see. And otherwise, honest to God, if I didn't have the subtitles, I might have to watch it again and cover the subtitles with my hand. I might have just thought he was trying to talk to Claire, and I'd <laughs> be I would like, "Hey, like, wake up!" Yeah, and I'd be like, "Claire, why are you ignoring him?" So I'd be okay a bitch, Claire. I I liked knowing that he was speaking directly to God and able to have this this special. Prayer. And here,
2: but okay, I'm gonna be a little bit of a contrarian here. And we're all giving credit to this intimacy and everything, but we've already seen something like this. But just substitute Claire for the baby that's not necessarily original we've already seen Jamie speak Gallic and speak sweet nothings into the air of someone not being able to listen
1: I completely disagree I think that this is totally different we know that he's about to be heading towards battle we know that Culloden is going to happen Mm -hmm. we know that he has in the back of his mind worrying about Claire and worrying about not even in the back of his mind I think it's it's probably in the forefront Yeah, Yeah. yeah I mean I think it's completely different there he was with the baby he was probably saying very different things talking about losing his own child yeah this is huge and he's begging god to take care of his love
2: but i will say it was a an extremely intimate moment um i think i've heard you know some of the reactions some of the echo chamber uh within the, the outlander verse in the outlander community was well where's the sex where is the intimacy between the two and I, you know i i understand the 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 complaint of where's the sex, but. I, to be honest, I prefer this. This is much more sweet to me. This is much more intimate than, than sex. I mean, sex is great. Making love, even better. Love it. But this was something that was extremely personal and extremely vulnerable. Even though we've already kind of seen it so far, very vulnerable, very perfect, and very touching for Jamie. Jamie. Mm-hmm. loved it I, I thought I thought it was a very well done sequence and the fact that Chika just kind of wakes up and smiles at him and you know what are you saying oh nothing like
1: it, it was well played it was it was well played I, I enjoyed it how did you like the camp that Jamie set up with his his men when they went camping um, or glamping <laughs> Not glamping.
2: What's glamping? So everybody knows.
1: It's like fancy camping, which isn't really camping, but you're like...
2: It's glamour camping.
1: Yeah. Um...
2: (laughs) Well, what did you think?
1: I felt really bad for all the guys that Jamie left that didn't have horses. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay, so literally, this guy gets shot, and Jamie's like, Everybody, go, and I'll see you later. (laughs) Meet you at the crossroads. Like, me and my family are set by. (laughs) And and if you look, there are these little lollipop guys going up the hill. (laughs) Like, they're going to go fight (laughs) these redcoats with muskets. Like, where are you going, guys? Run. (laughs) Go in the water. Run away. Run Run anywhere else. (laughs) I know that they were trying to, you know, give Jamie a little bit of a time to go but like really you think you're going to do good running up the hill A you that's just wanna, a lot more
2: work you just want to say bro you're a log carrier come yes, on now yes get, get yourself straight
1: <laughs> so I felt really bad because I even said out loud I was like why is he just go what He's just saving his own family. Right.
2: (laughs) Which I don't blame him. That's what I would do. I know. I'd like screw all you guys, which, you know, the funny thing is, is like, he says, okay, everybody, I'll meet you at the crossroads. And, and and he's saying, well, I'm going to protect my men and we're going to get you home. And then he just ditches them. (laughs)
1: seriously guys go back and watch those poor little guys climb a hill (laughs) towards the redcoats that's because at first I thought okay they're dispersing but then these guys they were like little lemurs following each other (laughs) towards the death trail where are you going Turn around! Where the
2: hell did you come up with lemurs?
1: Because lemurs just follow each other to oh, the death.
2: No, it's just that's just really funny. Um, they, and I know he obviously he didn't ditch them, and no. and clearly it's it's a it's a hectic situation where they're they're getting shot at, they're getting surprised, and everybody's just scrambling for their lives. I get it, but the fact that he just said, okay, see you guys later, go to the crossroads, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you there, yeah. Uh, you know, to me, whatever. But it did lend itself to this great horse chase sequence mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, and then Rupert getting shot in the eye like Ew. Walking Dead style uh, and then, you know, and um, and Dougal pulling a fast and furious move, jumping from one horse mm-hmm. to the other, uh, you know, as we mentioned in Facebook Live last night or two nights ago, whatever it was. You know, jumping from one horse to the other to save him, you know something that um especially after his actions in Preston Pans, he, I think another problem I had with the episode is Dougal's characterization. he's so selfish sometimes. And then now all of a sudden he's doing what he's doing. He's, he's saving Rupert and he's, he's making sure that the plan is going to be enacted at the church eventually. And, you know, telling Jamie, stop, wait, you're Red Jamie. If they, if they see you, you're going you're gonna to get hung, you know, whatever. It, it, he's tough to put a, th- a finger on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Was he, was he like this in the books, do you think? Or was he one of those guys, was it a little bit more clear on his motivations, do you think?
1: I felt like it was more clear but in the books. In the books, yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. Uh, well, I mean, what, I, what the <laughs> hell do I? What the frack do I know? But
1: and mind you, just everything was from Claire's perspective anyway. So we got to have Claire's own thoughts,
2: yeah, her interpretation too. Yeah. yeah, which would which would lend itself to a more complete singular interpretation. Yeah, <laughs> probably right. Uh, but it's it's hard. You know, it's hard to go from Preston pans to now Dougal being a hero again. Um, especially seeing what he did to Lieutenant Foster, uh, it, it it just seems like an an uneven characterization of this of this guy. Uh, but then again, you could say that he loves Scotland. Do, do you think he has a particular love for Jamie? Like, do you really think he has Jamie's back? Because I'll tell you, I don't. I don't think that he has Jamie's back. I think that he's in for in it for himself, and that's why I have a hard time accepting Dougal as being like this heroic figure. You know, saving Rupert, being thankful that he saved Jamie's life from in the church because he is what he is. You know what I mean about that too. Yes. Okay.
1: I'm just gonna.
2: Yeah, just close your mouth. Don't say say nothing.
1: Interesting and (laughs) silly little non-book reader, and yet not silly. I'll I'll give you that. Okay,
2: thank you. I I appreciate that.
1: Jamie at the church.
2: Um, loved it. I love the fact that he is being a leader here and saying, "I'm going to give myself up." They want me, you guys go. But in an instance where Claire acts again, this actually made sense.
1: <laughs> it totally did. It <laughs> the totally things that did. I've,
2: the things that I've hated on for the, the, the generals and Claire acting all the time, this was an organic way. To actually move the plot along and tell a good story.
1: Not only was it fantastic, but I loved when Claire stood up and said, am I not Lady Brock Turok? Am I like, not Lady Brock You know? So for there he was trying to be all important and take care of business. No. Claire said, I'm going to do it. And in, and these uh, these men are my responsibility too. And she's,
2: again, she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. She is perfectly 100% right. Yep. They are her responsibility. And... I like that she took these men under her care, told Jamie to basically go pound sand, and she's doing it on her own. And how cute of it! How cute was it for Fergus to be like, "My lady, you should just faint so you don't have any questions immediately." You know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that accent too?
1: Sure, <laughs> sure.
2: But uh, you know, the uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a great shot seeing the the single. Uh, flame, and then all of a sudden, <gasps> the rest of them breaking off. Yes. Great shot.
1: It reminded me of those, I think they're Greek, you know, those fictional serpents that Hercules would kind of fight, where you cut off one head and more come.
2: It's called the Hydra. Yes. I got you.
1: Except, I got you. it doesn't make sense, I guess, because this is fire, but that's yeah. what it reminded <laughs> me of. I was like, oh no, someone found if, them.
2: If the Hydra was... Flames uh, on fire. <laughs> that was funny.
1: Then Jamie has that great little discussion with Murtaugh. And Murtaugh asks, Hey, do you kind of regret marrying and Claire? Oh, I know. While they're looking to steal some horses.
2: Yep. That was great. And, and, he and, says, and, and no. It, clearly, no.
1: <laughs> I don't regret it at all. Yeah.
2: Uh, and I like the fact when he was like, Hey, and Murtaugh was like, Hey, you can, you can order them, but y- you can't order me around. Uh-huh. <laughs> great stuff. Good, more character work. And it was, and you're right, my love, this episode was full of good humor. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was suspenseful and it was suspenseful because we're in Scotland and we're being chased by the English. We're put in the position that Jamie and Claire are in. We're scared, even though we do know that Claire is going through the stones. It. Makes you wonder if they did play their hand a little too far uh, with the stones. It makes you wonder if they if they revealed that they they went too long with it in the first episode because it does take away some of the drama of knowing what's going to happen. But regardless, there was still tension. We're in a dangerous area because in Paris, that danger was not present, in my opinion. In Paris, they were in their house. They had servants. Mm-hmm. They, you know, except for a couple of forced things like Claire being poisoned or the, the forced thing of the rape. They were generally totally safe. They, they were just doing that. Jamie was running a wine business, for Christ's sake. He, he's not doing that in Scotland because he's too freaking busy from running from the British. <laughs> and that's what France lacked. It lacked the characterization of Scotland, and then it also lacked that tension of Scotland, the danger that was inherent in being in Scotland. Do you co-sign with that? I do. And because of that, that made this episode, in my opinion, a pretty complete episode. Mm -hmm. We had a good bit of intimacy. We had a good bit of tension. We had a good bit of action. we We even had a little bit of gore. Uh, towards the end, and we're still playing with the sci fi nature of Claire, we know that she goes back, we know that she's gonna survive because we've seen her go back before so again when when you're always comparing episodes and did it did it have everything this one it kind of did it kind of did yep uh and a lot of that is encompassed, and a lot of a lot of that is made evident in the church scene, mm hmm You know, that danger of not knowing. I got to tell you, I liked it. I liked the
1: church scene. I'm glad you did. It was a very (laughs) good scene. It really was. And after that, of course, Jamie really doesn't have too much to do when it gets to the Duke's house. Who does have a lot of work is Murtaugh. So Murtaugh, as you said, he had that great little part with Jamie Mm -hmm. when he said, you can't order me around. I'm I'm coming with you. I'm coming with you to find Claire. Right. We've been loving on Murtaugh. All season, we've he- been loving Anwar Tass since day one of Outlander, and I really am so happy that he was able to kill the Duke because it re- it like devastated him that he was protecting Claire and protecting yep. Mary Hawkins and he couldn't do it. We, it, it makes me want to rewatch that particular episode again yep. because he is so disgraced by by. No, it's no fault of his own. Sure, you know, yeah, it's not
2: his fault. He got his ass handed to him. You can't you, when you're when you get an attack six to one. Mm-hmm. I don't care how tough you are or how many Scottish Highland yells you do. You're gonna get your ass kicked.
1: Yep. And so for them to come on in and to to hear who was the one responsible for the rape, man, don't mess with Murtagh. And,
2: and I would say too that there was this really great bit where Jamie. You know, is told by Claire, this is the man that is responsible for the rape in Paris, right? And Jamie goes up to the Duke and just lays right into him. And he mm-hmm. says, and, You know, the Duke's saying, Oh, you know, you know me, Jamie, I would never do, do anything as much as rape. And, blah, blah, blah. and, and Claire says, Oh, yeah, he's lying. He's doing, you know. And then Jamie goes to beat the piss out of him, I mean, just to beat the bag out of him. And he doesn't. And he doesn't because he sees Murtaugh. And it's a quick glance, and you, and if you if you weren't paying attention, you'd miss it in a second. But there's this quick glance. You should have seen it coming, and it's an, it's, a, it's a right and quick and subtle admission that this is not my guy to beat the bag out of. Mm-hmm. This is Murtaugh's guy to beat the bag out of. And uh, I, I really liked that. That was a good, subtle admission by Jamie. And, and, and a good, subtle admission in writing, too. Uh the fact that it's not it's just so laid out so clear, okay, Murta, here you go. it you know, like it just it just happened
1: so actually, Murta was supposed to have said something, really. Murta actually in in the script had a, a big speech to say, okay, but they cut it. I'm glad they did. and they just got to him cutting <laughs> <I guess.
2: laughs> Cut to him cutting. yes. um and then, okay, so what did you think of the the stab by Mary? Were you a fan of this? Because I I get the feeling that you weren't.
1: I I don't know. (laughs) You know, I'm...
2: Give me a pro and con.
1: Well, I'm just really worried about Mary. I've talked about therapists quite frequently this season. And if anyone really needs a therapist, it's Mary Hawkins. We talked about how... Shortly after her being assaulted, the, she saw Claire and she was like, "Hi, Claire. Here's a note for Alex. I'm in love with him. Everything's grand." And I was like, "Wait a second. You were just like, literally, your maiden head was just taken in the streets by some guy. You are you're, you're dirty, dirty now." From like, oh, you can't really get easily married. However, this girl has so many freaking blokes barking up her tree. Right. (laughs) I have so many single friends right now who probably are watching this show being like, what the hell does, what, what does Mary Hawkins wear? Like, what perfume just brings all these suitors? Yes, come, ask me to marry you. Fall in love with me. I'm Mary Hawkins. I'm crazy. Is she admitting some kind of hormone? She must. That's what pheromones are, darling. Oh,
2: pheromones. Sorry, yeah. pheromones.
1: Yeah. So, you know, back in that that episode, I was like, Ugh, how did she recover this quickly? So, you know, in this, in this episode, she still was a little precious when Claire said, come away with me, and she acted like she was nervous, and mm-hmm. everything was all about, once again, Again, oh, I have to marry a dreaded man. Mary, shut up. You got a man, okay? <laughs>
2: I loved when I loved when the Duke was just go to <laughs> that's, bed. That's amazing. <laughs> all I could think of was you know you know all I
1: could think of, right? Bethany Frankel from the <laughs> New York Housewife. Go to sleep! Go to sleep! It was, that was an awesome moment. See, that's why I, like, loved the Duke. I was hungry. Um, (laughs) Just go to bed. And then you saw her. So, of course, they figure it out. The whole rape gets explained, and she's there eyeing the knife, and all I heard in my head was the psycho music. <laughs> because it, it turned on, man. And granted, if anyone had the right to stab that man, I am so bloody happy that it was Mary Hawkins. But can someone please get that freaking girl fracking girl
2: <laughs> Good job. a
1: therapist.
2: She needs it th- lots of copays for her.
1: Lots, all the copays. Every Can single go copay. To Mary Hawkins. <laughs> I know that I sit there with people who need therapists. Mary Hawkins she, needs Mary it. Mary
2: Hawkins is going to break the insurance company.
1: <laughs> Where's she going to go now? Okay. Her godfather is beheaded. By the way, oh, oh, here's the
2: thing, real quick. Don't you find it a little convenient that? The Duke is this girl's godfather. No,
1: he's probably like a million people's godfathers. People are probably like, you know, it would be a great idea is if uh, our our godfather is a duke. That way, they'll be like rich. They'll buy them great birthday presents. <laughs> Listen, if we knew a duke, we might have changed our minds about who godparents were.
2: I wonder if you ever got a if you ever got like a got her a pony or something.
1: <laughs> I doubt it. He wasn't very nice to her. <laughs> so where's she going now, Blake? Where does Mary Hawkins go from well, here? Well, she's
2: sticking around with Claire and Jamie. She's gotta. She has to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, 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 okay, here is an early outlandish theory of the week. We have not seen the last of Alex Randall. Not seeing the last of him, baby. He's coming back. Coming back because Mary Hawkins is sticking around with Claire and Jamie. I don't know why. Um, Don't
1: know why,
2: but, but I will tell you my last outland, my outlandish theory about Alex Randall is that he is the father or the the uh, the sire of um, the the Frank lineage and not Blackjack Randall. So that is what leads me to think that next episode we will be seeing good old alex randall
1: when does she have sex when does anyone get pregnant in this show i have no idea (laughs) it's just a complete lack of sex happening right now do you think she's pregnant already
2: no i don't i think it's been too long since she's last seen alex unless she's been seeing alex off screen uh and that is possible because she has been in scotland uh even though uh the the redcoats have been watching uh the duke um all along uh,
1: but, you just said "uh" six times. Sorry, sorry.
2: Uh, what, what do you want me to do? I know uh, this is outlandish time. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm off the cuff here, baby. <laughs> I'm flowing. I'm flowing. Flow. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I don't think that she's pregnant yet. But I, I think when we do see Alex Randall next, she will be prego.
1: She's gonna be. Guess what, Alex? I killed someone. I'm going crazy. Let's go. I'm bang. horny. <laughs>
2: you know they do say and i don't know who they are but they do say that when you know when you're in those kind of situations all you want to do is frack
1: i don't know i don't know couldn't tell you nope
2: never killed anybody hugh hugh monroe okay can we talk about how this guy is like david copperfield
1: (laughs) you know what he reminds me of what (laughs) Did you ever have those friends in like middle school, you know when everyone's awkward, but that friend that's like always there, like you turn the corner they 're like, "Hey, friend, hey Mary, and you're like, didn't I just leave you in English class? What are you doing here?" And you go to lunch, and they 're like, "Hey, Mary, can I sit next to you you're like, "How the fuck did you get everywhere? Are there like ten of you is do you have a twin? Does Hugh Monroe have triplet like is he a triplet? How is he everywhere because Okay, very nice, great. I'm glad he bumps into Claire. I actually don't have a problem with that part.
2: I don't. It's a little convenient, but 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 I'll accept it.
1: I have the problem with the fact that the Duke's like, okay, servant, go find this random beggar, Hugh Monroe. (laughs) And Hugh Monroe is just like, hmm, I'm going to go for a walk on this road. I'm just going to go for a walk. <laughs>
2: well, the problem, and here, here's the thing I will argue against you with, is that she ended up saying that she was going to the Duke's house. Yes. So, Or, or she didn't know it was the Duke's house, but he, this guy knows clearly where Claire is heading. But that, but that also doesn't mean that he's actually supposed to be heading to no, the he, house. He
1: should have been going the other place to go to get to Jamie. He right. should have been going in the other, I don't know, directions, but... I don't know. I wouldn't have been walking to the Duke's house, and
2: for the dude, for the for the servant to just be riding a horse and be like, "Hugh Monroe, Hugh Monroe," is that you? And the second guy that he runs into (laughs) is Hugh Monroe. Little, a little convenient for the plot. Uh, Suspension of disbelief. I'll go there. How did you like
1: that? Jamie signed to Hugh, even though Jamie can speak (laughs) and Hugh can hear. Yeah. He, you probably did like a little secret love sign, like Jamie. You have a tongue.
2: You can talk, bro. I'm the one who can't.
1: I'm the one that can't say Claire.
2: Yeah, I, hair.
1: No, <laughs> no it actually, sounded more like hair. He did a good job. I was, I'm really impressed with this actor. Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, for the really sa- impressed because
2: you know he has a tongue. So the fact that he's able to mimic this speaking, like can you talk without your tongue?
1: Uh. I don't know. I don't think I can. I'm not going to try because I don't even want to come off, anyway, shape or form, as disrespectful.
2: No, no, I'm not trying to th- be disrespectful. I'm like, I'm th- showing you how hard it is. Like, I can't do it.
1: You sound like Dory from Finding Nemo. <laughs> That's what you sound just like.
2: Speaking like a whale. So
1: you, luckily, you are not auditioning for human. Rob. No,
2: I'm not. But I'm just saying the fact that this guy can actually do it and make yes. it convincing. You just heard me try to do it. It's, it's like freaking impossible. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good. Although we mentioned in the Facebook live event, that he sounded like our three year old. We were like, oh, yeah, we can just tell immediately what he sounds like. Yeah, we, we, we know, know, that know, we know exactly because our son just our Godzilla just goes just grunts yes. at the time. Reese, do you want a cupcake?
1: <laughs> yeah, that really is okay. what he does.
2: Yeah, good. Thanks, buddy. <laughs>
1: I will say this. When Claire was going into town right before she saw Hugh, yep, I thought she was entering the three broomsticks.
2: Oh, my word. You're a wizard,
1: Harry. I was like, wouldn't that be amazing if how she about, sat down?
2: How about when uh, she walks through the painting?
1: Yes. The password. What's the
2: password? Password. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> that was great. I was. You know, I was the first person that actually said that. Was
1: that really? And then to continue, it literally is a stairway full of these giant paintings, which I guess we just have to get over that. That's like what happened with English people in that yeah, time, right? But I was ready to see those portraits moving.
2: I was ready to see the stairs moving. When Guardiam
1: leviosa, that that. Come on, Claire! Whip out your You're wand, a wizard Harry. Let's do it. What <sighs> guardium leviosa? Okay. <laughs>
2: All right, sorry, you're getting very serious now. What do you got?
1: Claire's medicine box. Oh. Hashtag rest in peace.
2: Wow. Or pieces. <laughs> <laughs> that is intense.
1: Whew. What's she going to do without her medicine box? I have no idea. How is she going to pull out teeth? Can we talk? You know, some
2: people didn't like the whole pulling teeth. Why? Scene. I loved it. I thought it was great. I covered my eyes, but I
1: loved it, guys. I I heard it. <laughs>
2: and I, I love the Rupert thing. I love yes. with the kids and when Claire says, "Okay, come on, we don't we don't necessarily have to pull your teeth," and he kind of nuzzled his face in, in the in the mom's like you know breasts mm-hmm. and like I thought that was really cute. It yes. felt natural. It felt natural.
1: It did. It did. Claire was just she was sitting there saying, "All right, what else can I fix while I'm here?" Right.
2: It shows you that she is a healer, and this is something... She's a doer, too. It, it shows you that they haven't forgot about this particular trait for Claire. Yes, she had the purpose in the, in, in the medical tent. It was a very clear purpose, but she also has this general knowledge of things that she is able to take care of people and that she is willing to take care of people. I really liked that.
1: Mm-hmm. There's just so much goodness that i want to talk about about the conversations between claire and the duke and they were just kind of being so smart and hateful towards each other i i loved that conversation but i wanted to point out that angela hickey on facebook Mm -hmm. she said what do you think about this in episode uh 110 the duke actually said did anyone ever tell you you have such a lovely neck It holds your head so prettily. (laughs) I'd hate to see them parted. And he turns to the clerk and says, mark that.
2: Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Great bit of foreshadowing there.
1: Isn't that so wonderful? And you know, we'll
2: talk about that title card too. I remember seeing the title card being like, okay, that's clearly going to be for the Duke. But I didn't anticipate (laughs) when the hair fell off that it was in reference to this guy's head falling off. Oh, by the way, I wanted to point this out too. Can we just talk about the fact that when he sees Jamie for the first time, the first thing he does <laughs> is not like be like, oh my god, nothing. No, no. He puts his wig on.
1: Yeah. What the hell is that about? He has a thing for Jamie and he... <laughs> yeah, he was totally fine in front of Claire, totally in front of Mary, totally in front of his servant.
2: Right. But in front of Jamie? Gotta have oh, the wig, bro. Oh, oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and what...
2: Didn't you feel, though, that Callow, And I I don't know if this was written this way or if he just chose to portray it this way. Didn't you feel he kind of overplayed it a little bit? No. I mean, with the conversation with Claire, wasn't it just a little tad flippant?
1: No. See, I saw it. The Duke loves... To have juicy uh, situations in the palm of his hands. And here he does. He's been, as he said, he said, all these redcoats are around me and I'm in trouble. They think I'm a Jacobite. I Mm. wonder why. And here's Claire, who he's gone through a lot of different experiences with. Mm -hmm. And now he has something to his advantage. So he's just playing this wonderful game of cat and mouse. And I, I see the Duke just loving it so much that he is acting it up because this he he's such a character and he loves himself so much that he loves to just talk and have people look at him and oh look at me I'm in so much power so when he actually has Claire write that letter and makes it all be a huge trap I I didn't think he was overacting it at all is that what you said you thought the yeah, I, I thought it was just
2: overacting I thought it was it was just a little too hammy. No. For, for my preference. I
1: took it. Maybe it's because I've known some people who've, who are like this, who are just so in love with themselves and think that they are well, 100% are you, are right. Not you. <laughs> I'm thinking about Voldemort. Oh,
2: okay. All right. Voldemort. There's a person
1: that I have in real life that I I call Voldemort because she must may not be named. You're a wizard, Harry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Harry Potter even permeates into our social lives.
1: But... You know, these people just love to listen to themselves and they love to, ooh, let me see if I can do some more cat and mouse because I'm going to win no matter what. And, yeah. oh, I guess I did do the rape. I had to, oh my goodness. So, you know, I I didn't see him as overacting at all. I just think that this just shows the Duke's true colors and I am so glad. Did you buy the whole thing
2: done- with the Comte and the Duke working together and the Comte actually wanted Claire dead? Like he wanted her dead oh, to begin yeah. with. And, and the Duke was the one say like, It would have been a terrible waste. You know, there's such a beauty. Like, like, did you really buy all of that?
1: Yeah, because the Comte tried to poison Claire yeah. in the beginning anyway. So I think the Comte could care less about Claire Fraser when it comes to her living or being raped. He just wants to be done with her. He's so pissed. He lost so much money and yeah. goods. Okay. And oh, yeah, the Comte totally would have done it. So. He's an angry man. How oh, very angry. It he makes you feel better that he, that he
2: ended up croaking. Makes you feel better.
1: Yeah. And then how just awkward that Sandrigam says, oh, it was my idea to do the rape instead. What? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we?
2: And he's like, you should be grateful even. <laughs> but I did like when he says, you know, you could have been dead. And the servant, as much as he was kind of a, a dingleberry too, he did say, and you could be easily dead still. I it, that was scary. That mm-hmm. was that was one of those like even though he was kind of like I don't know he's he's kind of girly like and I just didn't believe him as a scary man. But when he said it like that and the way that the actor delivered it, I I kind of believed it. Yeah. I was kind of like you know Claire, you you better be careful here. You better be careful because this French dude, he ain't afraid. He's not afraid of you. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. So you know, I a good episode. Not a, a, a good episode There's of television. talk of
1: pirates. There was a drawing of Jamie in the, in the broadsheet. Oh, that's right. Lots of lots of fun little things that, uh, as you said, Dougal jumping on that horse and, mm-hmm. and pulling up Rupert. That's one thing. When I, when I saw that the first time, I thought, oh, man, could he really have done that? But something comes over you when you're saving someone right. and you get this Hulk-like strength. I did it with my mom when we were whitewater rafting. My mom went over the edge <laughs> of the boat and she was stuck in this little whirlpool thing and I pulled her out of the water.
2: Yeah.
1: It was amazing. I haven't let her live it down. Whenever she gets a little sassy with me, I'm like, Mom, I saved your life.
2: Shut up, Mom. forgot. So for, so
1: for anyone who says, like, how could Dougal have done that with Rupert? Because Rupert's a generously sized guy. I'm gonna generously
2: tell you. sized? I think that's a generous term, my love.
1: Hey, I'm trying to be a little nice.
2: Man boobs I, flopping around. God, Blake,
1: that's not so nice. It's time for the listeners' GBGs. All right, let's do it.
2: On Facebook, Diana Fraze Anderson says, My GBG, I really don't have a bad, so this will be a GGG. The good. <laughs> nice. Three cheers for Blake for getting his outlandish observation hint. Nail right on the head with Sandrigam and the Comte being part of the Rape of Mary. Well done, sir. Thank you very much, Diana. Uh, Great. All of the one-liners from Rupert and Murtaugh made me laugh from Ross, asking Rupert, man, what happened to you? Rupert's response of, wanted to get closer, look at a musket ball, and also his comment, give Claire a wink for me. A lot (laughs) lot of great one-liners from Rupert. Gee, the greatest was the decapitation of the Duke of Sandringham, bloody, yes, but damn was it awesome, and well-acted by Simon Callow and Duncan Holly Rector White says, The good was Diana's writing was very well done. The bad was the effing editing. I'm so done with scenes written and then edited out. It changes the emotional context and is exactly why I watch and read. So next season, double check scenes or better yet, write the scenes with emotional description to ensure you still provide it at the end of the viewer. Murtaugh's Gallic speech was cut, which precipitated my angst. Great JNC, the prayer with the church... The evolution of the relationship has been the best part of the season, especially when Jamie was less than a man. No gratuitous sex needed to show how you have a real relationship and how it functions.
1: Blake, that that music got very, very intense during Holly's comments.
2: Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I turned it down. What do you want me to do? I'm
1: like, Holly, everything that he read, it was like, effing editing, <laughs> excited music. <laughs> Continue
2: on. Go do the Instagram.
1: Okay. Primrose. You gave me your name and I'm so bad with it. Primrose Prose? Yeah. You got it. Good job. Good. I'm glad because I messed it up last time. Primrose <laughs> Prose wrote in saying The great in this episode was the tender moment between Jamie and Claire. The good was Dougal's riding, picking up Rupert, and jumping on his horse, and the Duke getting his comeuppance. The bad was Claire performing dangerous ophthalmic
2: wow i was re- my finger was just it was beating ready to touch the bell
1: listen i did better on you than sat's for a reason i can say big words can't say little words oh i
2: don't know be careful mm-hmm. you got a lot of bells this season listen
1: at least one test says i'm smarter than you that's
2: true yeah <laughs> valid point
1: anyway surgery on rupert's with just a hold still no whiskey yeah nothing to bite on no one to hold him down on the same level as just taking the splinter out. Poorly staged scene and poor writing there. You know what, Pernod? Yeah. I was actually thinking during that scene, I said, she did that whole flippin' thing in addition to no whiskey, no nothing to bite on. With just one candle. Yeah. Remember when they were like, oh crap, the red coats blow out the single candle, Ru- uh, Fergus? Yeah. She used just one candle to do that entire eye surgery.
2: And ripping out this thing out of this guy's eye. Like, oh my God. That was woof. Wow. All right, my love, you're ready for the editor in chief, Kendra Thought of the Week.
1: You got it.
0: Marion Blake, it's Kendra. There's a lot to love about this episode, but what I love most is we get vintage Claire. What I mean by that is that we get season one Claire, competent, nonchalant about gore, and sarcastic and bullheaded as ever. This week, though, instead of seeing how far she can shove her foot down her throat, her machinations actually have merit. Nothing feels quite as much like Outlander as Claire yanking out a tooth. I love the added touch of her propping her foot against the table for added leverage. As much as I might have liked Diana to give us a love scene this week, this puts me right back in the Gabaldonian universe, to the point where I may actually look forward to an entire episode coming forward devoted to growing penicillin or changing 18th century poopy diapers. (laughs) Or not. Uh, I do love the intimacy in the bedroom scene between Jamie and Claire. As I said on the podcast for the unjustly maligned episode, The Watch, uh, true emotional intimacy can sometimes trump a love scene when delivered well. That said, I'm not in love with the scene until Claire wakes and joins Jamie in conversation. Fans of the books have often uh, times spoken out quite strongly against some of their favorite Jamie and Claire dialogue being cut from the episodes, and my main response to that is... Sometimes what works on the page doesn't necessarily work when spoken by even the most terrific actor. Here, where there should be a man talking to himself, suddenly we get a soliloquy being delivered to the back row. How much of it is simply Sam's delivery and how much of it is the fault of the script, I'm not sure, but I'm leaning towards a little bit of both. It's good to see human row again, though I can't help feeling that they uh, give him the tracking abilities of, of a homing pigeon. The dialogue for the majority of the script is witty and quick, and book readers would expect no less from Diana. Some of my favorite lines are Rupert's musketball quip, Myrta's she-even-misspelled help, and Jamie asking Claire about her last trip to Inverness. So clever. Uh, Also interesting is that apparently, Benedict Cumberbatch has an uncredited cameo as Sandringham's messenger. Of course, the voice was all wrong, but I quite literally did a double take. Somewhere in Rhode Island, I could hear the faint sound of Blake squeeing. I'm very glad Diana gifted us with not one but two lives spared this episode, though apparently Rupert's reprieve was Ron's idea. As book readers know, both Rupert and Human Roe were supposed to beat their makers this week. Finally, we get Simon Callow at his nasty best as Sandringham. Diana gives gives him a nice juicy dig at Claire with the line, The last thing I would ever do is blurt implying that's a technique Claire employs eagerly and often, which is not wrong. I very much enjoyed the final scene, particularly Mary getting her own brand of vengeance, and I like to think that the title refers to Mary rather than Myrta. It's great that Myrta uh, gets to keep his word to uh, Claire and Jamie, but in the end, he was not truly the one who was wronged. It was Mary, and it was her vengeance to be exacted and owned. I loved a lot of things about this episode, but overall, I don't feel it was as strong as last week, which was just superb. I'm going to give it 4.7 kilts. So, only two episodes left, and I am beyond excited. Stay tuned to the Outlander cast blog for the staff's finale predictions, coming out very, very soon. That should be a lot of fun. Thanks, guys, for listening. Can't wait to hear your thoughts, and I'll catch you all next week. Salute!
2: All right, Kendra, thank you so much for checking in. As always, you know what you're talking about. Please, everybody, go uh, and uh, check out the Outlander cast blog and uh, check out all of her great writing. And the fact that she edits all of those pieces and puts them together and, and helps us out so much, she's just amazing.
1: She really is. She's she is truly amazing. She rocks my socks. I'm a big fan of Kendra.
2: You want to know what also rocks your socks?
1: The Outlander Theory of the Week by my darling husband.
2: The greatest invention or Total Discovery of Mankind, The Outlandish Theory of the Week. All right, my love, don't let me down on this one, okay? Okay. Don't let me down. The Outlandish Theory of the Week is brought to you by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. For over 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair. Throughout the second season of Outlander, they will offer a special, not a... Mediocre! A special, thank you my darling, menu of Outlander-inspired delicacies they ship throughout the U.S., so check them out at... Acroidsbakery.com for more info, and then tell them that Mary and myself, the Mary, the one who finally lived up to what I needed <laughs> in this segment uh, that we sent you, and make sure you use the coupon code OUTLANDER to get 5% off of your purchase. My love, what are you actually looking at this time at com? I, I actually am
1: not looking on their website right now oh because I needed to remember to say mediocre. <laughs> I needed to remember, and every time you point at me, I'm looking at something delicious. (laughs) Well,
2: well, listen, guys, please be good to Acroids. They are amazing. They have really great stuff, those meat pies, and usually Mary's the one that informs you of what she's actually looking at at this very moment, but, you know, that's okay. You know, you got the special, you got the mediocre pot. I'll go along with that. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so my theory. You ready for this theory? Yes. I'm proud of this theory. I was thinking about it all day today. I didn't do any work at my office, not one, because I was too busy thinking of this theory. Ready? Claire is going to kill Dougal. Claire's going to do it, baby. Everything has just been too nice between Claire and Jamie and Dougal. And like this whole episode, Dougal was being heroic, but we still had the vile Dougal of, of, of Preston Pans. Somewhere in the middle lays the actual truth. And the actual truth is, these people don't like each other. And I've been saying all season long, Dougal and Jamie cannot live in the same town, let alone the same country. They just they don't get along and they don't see eye to eye. With that said, Claire will kill Dougal protecting Jamie somehow. Dougal will do something against Jamie. Uh, in the middle maybe of Culloden or after Culloden, before Culloden, something is going to happen because he's pissed off at Jamie for being exiled and Jamie being the one who came up with the idea. And it's something is going to happen between these three. And Claire will be the one who kills Dougal. It'll be a fitting end for Dougal and it will be a fitting act for Claire because Dougal has done so much shit to Claire that she deserves to kill him. Not Jamie. Not Murtaugh, not anybody else. Claire deserves it. Just like how Mary deserved to kill the guy who did the attempted rape on Claire and the actual rape on her. And that's why I feel like you saw Mary get empowered. You're going to see Claire get empowered and she's going to kill the great Scottish warrior Dougal. My love, what do you got for me? You going to give me an interesting? A
1: big old interesting, Blake.
2: Wow. Charlie, what do you got for me, kiddo? What do you think? Mock me.
1: Please hang up and try again.
2: Charlie's always got my back. Always. He always tells me. He always tells me I'm right. I should just ring the bell right now. I should just ring the bell. Might you, as well. I already got one bell ring can't. today. You already <laughs> did it. <sighs> final thoughts, my darling. What do you got?
1: I had a lot of fun. I, I would love for Diana to write some more episodes because I had a lot of fun chuckling next to you. I can't believe we have two left.
2: I know. It is two left. My final thought is I got to give Diana credit. I'm sure she had her hand held a little bit with from RDM and, and Ira and all the writers, uh, because this obviously is not oh, her yeah. profession. She,
1: yeah, she got a lot of help. I'm
2: sure she got a lot of help. I felt like she had an episode that didn't have a whole ton to do, but she did a great job. She did a great job. I will give kudos to, uh, to where kudos must be deserved. So, uh, you know, Diana, I think this one's for you. Honestly, honestly, that was good. So, uh, that's my final thought of the week. Ready, uh, my love? Are you ready to close out the show? You bet! All right, let's do it.
1: Well, don't forget, we have a second episode of Outlander Cast this week, and it's all thanks to you and your listener feedback. So please tweet, Facebook, Instagram. But if you really want to be hardcore, head on over to the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering on Facebook. Join the discussions there. I can't wait to talk with you guys more about this episode.
2: There's been a lot of great discussion, and like a good civilized discussion at the Clan Gathering. You know, for whatever reason, like there was a whole drama about you know William Shatner and the bullying and the shipping and the anti-shipping. I mean I think it's all a bunch of nonsense to begin with. If you're bullying people for one reason or another, if you if you're a shipper or anti-shipper, it, it's it, it's just nonsense. It's crap. So don't bully people. And the thing that I love about the Clan Gathering is there is zero bullying. It's it's a place where everybody is safe, and there has never been an instance. Where somebody was name calling or whatever. Actually, no. There's been one instance and that person was kicked out.
1: I, so, I, I don't put up with that. No, we don't. don't dude, no, no you know fracking what? way. No, Homie <laughs> don't play that.
2: <laughs> no, we don't. We don't play that. There's just there's just no way. So, anyway, um, please, uh, you know, just stay stay tuned. G- give us uh, your good feedback. and Let us know what you think about this. If you actually like the fact that I gave Diana a standing ovation and applause, she deserved it. I, I got to admit, she really did. I- I- <laughs> I- I- I'm-, I'm speechless. I you really are. am. You are. I enjoyed the episode. I really did. I was ready. I was ready to, uh, to jump all over it, uh, but I can't. It was good. It was really good. And the voting for the podcast awards, as you guys all know, has ended. The announcement of the winner will be coming as of right now of the recording of this episode will be coming in six days. So go, if you want to, if you are interested in seeing if we do win, you want to watch it live. uh, It will be happening on June 26th, I think at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So go to podcastawards.com and check out to see if we win. And uh, hopefully with all of your help, we will win at least one of these categories, I think. I hope. We'll see what happens.
1: I want to give a big thank you to Emily Peterson, Audrey Carr, Christine Metzgar, Laura Roche. We also want to thank Christine uh, Kirsten Anderson. Okay. And I want to make sure Michael, Kathy McKibben And Wendy Seaton For being Patreons
2: Oh yes Thank you guys
1: So if you head on over To OutlanderCast.com And you click on the support tab You can find out a way To uh, give us Patreon It's just a little donation To keep this podcast going To help A.K.A. pay for our babysitter For when we podcast (laughs) Um, But just just Even something like A dollar per month That's what Patreon will do It's a huge Um, It's It's amazing So thank you so incredibly much You guys have made podcasting actually feasible yes. because we can pay for our babysitter. So thank you. And for those of you who want to contribute, it would be greatly appreciated. But Just, just, just head on listening. over to
2: OutlanderCast.com and click on the support button and you'll be able to see the, uh, the, the button there for Patreon. And that's that.
1: All right, everyone. Until next time, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you've been listening to OutlanderCast.